everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Literary Latte Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. And I'm Katie. And we are back. Did y'all miss us? Because we were gone for a week. A whole week without our angelic voices in your ears. What did y'all listen to on Friday? Like Nothing. Wh- silence. Silence. Everyone silence. just sat in silence. Everybody moved on. I, I stayed there. Dust collected on my pinned up. It's a Taylor Swift oh. song. Oh, I don't know this song. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, of- it's probably what they listen to. It's the Taylor Swift uh, album. Probably. We were just talking about uh, Speak Now, Taylor's version, which we could talk about a little bit. But, you know, I felt like it was important to address um, at the top of the episode the changes coming to this podcast. We're not the same. it's not not really that much of a change (laughs) the old taylor can't come to the phone right now why because she's she's dead dead. um it's not that dramatic but no i was like on the break i was thinking and you know i often think and i have thoughts and with those thoughts it's dangerous but i was thinking about the pod And, you know, how it can be, like, stressful kind of, like, taking all the notes. Because we've been doing it where we're basically, like, summarizing what we read and then Mm -hmm. giving our thoughts. But I feel like the summarizing often gets in the way of our thoughts. And I feel like a book club, well, some book clubs, are more about sharing your thoughts on the book and, like, Mm -hmm. how you felt and all that. So I told Katie, I'm like, let's take some notes, like, you know, mm-hmm. say write our thoughts down, write down some things happening, like pivotal things. But let's have it more of like an open discussion because y'all should be reading along with us. It's not our job to like <laughs> tell y'all what's going on. <laughs> it's an informational podcast with no information as to what's going on. <laughs> not me, me projecting our laziness onto the <laughs> listeners. Just like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? Yeah, I feel I that. Know. No, I, I think it's a good idea. Um, we often have lots of thoughts about what we're reading. And this book is definitely, I have lots of thoughts. Yeah, this the book is very um, thought-provoking. Yeah, this say. book is is um, it's interesting. I'm listening to it through an audiobook um, because I... I'm traveling in July a lot. Um, currently, I'm in Pennsylvania uh, visiting some family. And uh, I would be, say, a single parent, but I'm I'm not because my mom's here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my mom and I are taking care of my brother's kids for like 10 days while he and his wife celebrate their anniversary. So they've been together since they were 17, Aww. which is crazy to me. Um, yeah. It's my cool. parents were like that. They met at like 14. That's crazy. Can you imagine? Like, here no. we are. <laughs> I'm in my 30s. You're almost in your 30s. That's right. <laughs> you, do you not want me to no. mention that you're in your 30s? That's fine. I feel like, I don't know. I was thinking about this earlier because my birthday's coming up. I'm turning 29, August 3rd. Um, Happy birthday to me or happy early birthday. Hey. hey. Um, But I was thinking turning 29 feels like, even though I know it's not old, it feels old. Mm-hmm. But I feel like turning actually 30 won't. I don't know. 
So I have I have always wanted to be 30. Like I watched 13 going on 30 when I was a kid. And I was like, being 30 sounds great. Specifically 36. There's something about the age of 36 that I'm like super excited to be. It is 36. a good number. I don't know. I don't know if it's like the the like not like real like numerology, but like the numerology of it. Um I don't know what the case is, but I've always wanted to be 36. So being in my 30s, I kind of love it. Um, I will say I find myself more like introspective in my 30s than in my Ooh. 20s. Um, and a lot more of just like, am I setting myself up for success and that kind of thing? Am I happy with where I'm at? Kind of that stuff. Um, but I think being 30 is great. Um, so yeah, but my point being here of like, can you imagine now as us in our, in our almost like 30, almost 30, um, having be married to someone that you've known since you were like 14. (laughs) Like, I can't imagine that. Not at all. No, it's crazy to me. It is, but you know, some people just find true love early. What can you do? Guess. We're just not fortunate that way. But you know what? We're fortunate in that we get to go do whatever the heck we want whenever we we want to do it without having to check in on someone else. So pros and cons. Pros and cons to every season in life. Um, But yeah. Truly. Um, But that sounds like a fun, you know, little road trip, fun family time weekend that you're doing. Um, I saw some family yesterday. It was my grandma's 80th birthday lunch. Hey, nice. Go grandma. That was fun. Um, I made a slideshow. They appointed me the slideshow person. So I had to like find all these like old pictures. Is this like a standard thing that your family does? No, it was like, it was my aunt's idea because they did it for my uncle's dad. So it was kind of like, she was like, let's do one. Like, cause it's like the 80th. So let's like make like a slideshow with like a bunch of pictures and stuff. It's cute. I like it. Did you put it to songs? I did. I did what, it too. What songs did you pick? I picked why are you laughing? Like I, just because it's <laughs> <laughs> I was like Katie's face, it's like she's like holding in. <laughs> like I don't even know. I'm like, oh my god. I was like, I, was like, I, I don't know your family. So I don't know what kind of sense of humor that you guys have if you pick like really lovey songs, you know, or I, songs from like her generation, or if you pick like funny songs that are like I picked like they were like some sad, some it depends. Like it's hard to find songs because yeah. especially when you want to find them like about like your grandma, like I feel like Spotify playlists, it's always songs that are like depressing or about like death and i'm like no nah, she's alive like it's a birthday mm-hmm. party like we need like well that's why songs. i was trying to trying to decide if like your you family were like, has is this that gonna li- be morbid or is this like i would say it was more <laughs> i can actually send you the link if you want because i haven't oh, listed on my youtube love to. i would it's love six minutes so you know i would love to see this presentation that you put together of your grandma's life but um, I did. Um, she likes country music, so I had some country songs. I okay. had like there was a motif. I was like, okay, we're gonna start with her young, and then move with her being married, and then like her as a mom, 
mm-hmm. and then her as a grandma and then like just random pictures at the end and like stuff like that. Yeah. Is your but grandpa still alive? He's not. So that part was a little sad when it was like a little sad. That. But I started with her as a kid. As a kid, I did Kids by Ben Rector, which I mm-hmm. never heard that song before. But oh, ben Rector. I was like, I like that. And then when it went to um her and my grandpa, it was unforgettable. Nat King Cole. Mm. Gotta go with that. Cute. And then Mother by Sugarland, which I keep thinking every time I listen to is Reba, but it's not. It's Sugarland. Uh, okay. And then Memory Lane by Old Dominion when it got to her as a grandma, which that's a very country song. Yeah, Old Dominion very... is a very country band, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But then I ended with Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Um, oh, I like it. And on a got... peak. And on a high note, because the other ones, they weren't like sad, but it was like a little emotional. So it was like, let's be happy. Yeah, I like it. Good job. Uh, I like thanks. it a lot. Yeah. Um, has your grandma ever considered getting remarried or is she like, nah, not about that? No, she was like, she hates people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I feel like this is I feel like this is a thing where I I feel like there is a tendency for men whose partners die to remarry and typically pretty quickly whereas when women's partners die they either don't get remarried or it takes them a very long time before they get remarried because men need women to take care of them (laughs) (laughs) i know and it's really and women are like i'm fine yeah they're like i don't want to take care of someone else and i'm like see you get it this is why i'm single I this don't is, want to take care of someone. This is why I'm me. <laughs> yeah, this is this is what has shaped a, a very large portion of my personality. Uh, well, on that note, um, do you want to talk about? Um, we talked a little bit before we recorded. Um, Taylor's version, uh, "Speak Now." It's out. It's She's out. Doing it. She re-recorded it. She her voice sounds phenomenal. It does sound really good. How yeah. do you feel about the lyric change in Better Than Revenge? Um, I think it's fine. I, I think, think it sounds good. Yeah, I think it I think it is kind of just shows her like growth as an adult, right? Like I at this point in my life, I would not not going like I would not shame a a woman for that kind of thing. So to me, like that was a very juvenile lyric. And I know people really like it, but it was also one of those things where I was like, yeah, it's indicative of who she was when she was like 20. And yeah, when I was 20, I probably would have said the same thing. She does on the mattress. Yeah. Yeah. So I like I probably would have written something similar or said something similar at like 2022. But I'm not going to say that now. Right, now I'm 30 that's... and I'm going to sing about moths and that's what it's going to be. Well, I think it was just more, isn't it like something about, I think it was funny because he, she's comparing the guy to a bug no, and not yeah. even like a, like not even like a pretty bug, like a moth. Like yeah. no one, no one likes moths. Like they're kind of creepy. No. They're, yeah, they're like made of dust. They're like disgusting. Yeah. So I, to me, like that's more like funny. The fact that she just compares the guy to a, a bug. I thought it <laughs> went. I liked it too. I wasn't as mad as other people were. I don't know why people it. were mad about it. 
Like, I, again, like to me, it's but just, like to be upset. They want to be upset. Yeah. To me, it just it's it it shows growth of someone. Like she's matured and she's not comfortable with that lyric anymore, so she changed it. Like, Period. I don't think it's a big deal. Like, yeah. I was telling you offline how with Speak Now, at the time it came out, I feel like I didn't listen to it because at the time I wasn't like that big of a Taylor fan and I would only listen to like songs on the radio. So, of course, I knew Back to December, Mean, which I didn't really like that one and I still don't, but it's fine. (laughs) And then um, Mine. But listening to this album, I was listening listening to it on my run today because I'm a runner. I'm a runner now. I'm a runner. I'm a runner. I'm a track star. <laughs> I'm like barely. I mostly walked, but it, <laughs> I ran a little. So like, I'll give myself a little credit. Um, but I was listening and it was good. And I'm like, how did I never listen to Haunted before? Enchanted's good. Last Kiss is heartbreaking. Dear John is good. Like Classic. Speak Now is good. Sparks Fly is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the the <laughs> ones from the vault. Um. They could have stayed in the vault. Um, I like Castles Crumbling. Um, yeah, <laughs> but that was electric. It was electric touch. I thought that was it's fine. It was underwhelming, and you would it think had it would have been good as a Fallout Boy. I think they just like they needed more of a of a punk vibe. Like I wanted more of the Fallout Boy influence in it, um, and it just wasn't there. Yeah, which like Haley Williams. I like her voice a lot, and she is one where she kind of does a mixture of styles, right? Like, Paramore has definitely had a, like, evolving style. You know, they were more punky for a while, and then they kind of got, like, alternative, like, almost like, I don't know, alternative folk, maybe? I don't yeah. Know what you call it. So, the most recent one, it's almost, I, I, again, I'm... I guess you would call it electric. Like, I don't really know. Um, I don't love their newest album. I definitely am like an old school Paramore fan. Misery Business. So good. Gotta love it. I know. Yeah. I remember eighth grade always listening. And I had a friend who like really liked them and would do their hair like Haley with the bangs mm. and all that. That was in. But um, yeah. yeah. And Taylor loves a long song. She does. She, she loves, loves a long, loves a long song. song, especially now. Now that people like love the all too well the ten minute version. Yeah, she's like, let me see how far I can push this. Right, so. and it's, sometimes I'm here for it, and sometimes I'm like, okay. Yeah, there was a couple songs that I felt like were too long, but I think my favorite of the, I think I will let me say this. I think that the song that age the best in that i still think it is very applicable for people in their 30s is dear john that is yeah that because one's good. it is there there is something to the i think there's a line in there about like you're you're good at you're good at apologies and keeping lines blurred something along those lines and i'm like that's such a good lyric and it is so true of like young relationships but also it's kind of true of older guys too like i think i told i think i told you this where like i'm on hinge right and what is so interesting to me is that men who are in their like mid-20s are so much more respectful than men who are in their 30s 
That's and crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. Like the the men who I have had to like unmatch with because they've said something rude are more often than not in their 30s. Whereas like the men that I've like I haven't gone on a date with anyone, but I've had, you know, some really nice conversations where we've just figured out we're not a match. And typically the ones in their like early 20s, it's very respectful and just we get to the point where we're like, okay. You're looking for something different than I am. Wish you the best. Happy hunting. Goodbye. Happy hunting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where like the the guys in their 30s will be like, oh, you won't give me your number. See, that's that's why you're single because you're afraid. And I'm like, no, dude, I just don't want your dick pic. <laughs> like, right. I don't want you. Like, like no. I don't, you don't want you to have my phone number, you freak. Right. And like, we're 30 years old. I'm not going to give you my Snapchat. Oh. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> What's your snap? Um, but anyways, yeah, I think that song, Dear John, going back to our original point, I think is the song that has like aged really well. Um mm-hmm. and is still applicable even for you know people in their 30s. You know what, Taylor? Can she be annoying sometimes? Yes, but she can write and she can make a good song. Oh yeah. Very very timeless. I forgot about that one song where it was like, Don't you worry, your pretty little mind. People throw rocks at things that shine. I'm like, oh, yeah. this song's good. I forgot oh, about this. Uh, I think that's ours. It this is, love is yeah. ours. Which I, I do like that song. It's a very cute song. It's fun. Um, with that being said, enough about Taylor. She gets enough attention. She doesn't need our streams. She has hey, plenty hey. of her own. Um, let's get started on this book. So the book of this month is Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitan. I can't speak. Anne Napolitano. And we read the first like 103 pages, roughly. Mm-hmm. Katie listened to them. How was it listening? Did you like it? I did. I did like it. I actually liked it a lot. I forget how much I like audiobooks. Um, so I was great narrator. I thought she did a great, great, great job on it. Um, and pretty easy to follow. This book does not do um, numbered chapters. It's just different people's perspectives from like specific points in time. Yeah. Um. So... It was good, but I yeah, I thought a couple of the chapters I think were a little bit long. Yeah, there were some long ones where I was like, okay. Yeah, like, I was like, can we kind of move this along a little bit? Like, I um, don't need to hear that much about basketball. Yeah, I, I will say this is, it does, I know that she mentions Little Women in it at one point, but it does kind of feel like a modern day Little Women. It does a lot and how they yeah. like compare themselves to each one because it's four yeah. sisters. But um, I'll read the synopsis real quick just to, like, you know, introduce the story. Yeah. But an emotionally layered and engrossing story of a family that asks, can a love make a broken person whole? William Waters grew up in a house silenced by tragedy, where his parents could hardly bear to look at him, much less love him. So it's a relief when his skill in the basketball court earns him a scholarship to college far away from his childhood home. He soon meets Julia Padovano, a spirited and ambitious young woman who surprises William with her appreciation of his quiet steadiness. With Julia comes her family. She's inseparable from her three younger sisters. Sylvie, the dreamer, is happiest with her nose in a book and imagines a future different from the expected path of wife and mother. Cecilia, the family's artist, and Emmeline, 
who patiently takes care of all of them. Happily, the Padovanos fold Julia's new boyfriend into their loving, chaotic household. But then darkness from William's past surfaces, jeopardizing not only Julia's carefully orchestrated plans for their future, but the sisters' unshakable loyalty to one another. The result is a catastrophic family rift that changes their lives for generations. Will the loyalty that once rooted them be strong enough to draw them back together when it matters most? That was it. I was oh, reading I the last part because the Goodreads always does that last sentence where it's like a vibrant tale, like oh, hello, yeah. beautiful. So I was like, is yeah. this one of those? And it was. Um, yeah. Which I will say, the section that we read is definitely kind of an introduction to the family, the sisters, William, a little bit of backstory for all of them. And I feel like it just kind of set up for the story developing, you know, as it should. Um, yes. And so. like we, the perspectives we get are mainly from William, Julia, and Sylvie. Yep. I was looking a little ahead to kind of see because I was like, are we ever going to get like Emmeline or Cecilia's? We don't, but we get someone named Alice. Which I don't know who Alice is, but I guess maybe it's we'll their see. daughter. Maybe. Maybe. Ooh. Oh yeah. Spoilers. Oh, spoiler alert. Well, not really. Like we're gonna yeah. talk about it in this episode. Yeah. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's pretty much really getting introduced to like who William, uh, Sylvie and Julia are. Like I think it starts mm-hmm. off with William and his backstory. Yeah, it talks a little bit about, uh, so he essentially grew up as an only child uh, because his sister, his he had an older sister, and she died um, like a few days after he was born. I want to say it was like six or seven days after he was born, she passed away. And it was like devastating to his his parents essentially his parents never recovered from that and so mm-hmm. his whole childhood was kind of spent in the the shadow of that and he often talks about how like he doesn't feel like his parents really ever loved him and i think it there at one point there's a a line that says something like his parents only had one child and it wasn't him or only ever loved one child and it wasn't him something along those lines so he has this really tragic backstory, um, but then he discovers basketball and mm-hmm. he like starts like really diving into that and ends up like, I want to say, wasn't he like 5'8 for like a really long time or 5'10? And then all of a sudden he shoots up and he's like 6'5. Yeah. He had like a yeah. random growth spurt. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, that was good because basically he just always felt like unseen Mm -hmm. and like no one really cared about him. But then when he discovered like basketball and playing with the neighborhood kids, it was like, oh, he belongs somewhere and he's like good at something and it made him feel good. So and then I think he ended up going to Northwest Northwestern on a scholarship for basketball. Yep. And he just wanted to get away from the family which i get because yeah it's rough that's like that's got to be really hard um that's that's it's tragic what his parents went through it is but it's also like you lost one kid why would you not like try and love the other kid like i don't know yeah grief manifests in different ways for different people and so i think in this case they just never recovered it's you know and, and, and like, yeah, I think about the fact that like, this is, isn't this set in like the 19, like 
sixties. Uh, yeah, like nineteen sixties, seventies, yeah, eighties. So like mental health, there's not a lot of support for mental health. Um, people didn't really talk about like working through grief. So I That's think we true. look at it from like a, a 21st century perspective of, you know, obviously you went through this tragedy, you should go get help so that you can then, you know, protect your, your remaining child. Uh, but that was just not really a thing back then. So yeah, it was, it was rough. And I like the, I, I think something that's very like indicative of William's character is the way that he played basketball. So he often talks about how he, it was never his goal to be like, he knew he wasn't good enough to be like the star player, but he was able to set up other people to be successful. So oftentimes like it was more about how do we work as a team and how do I make sure that, you know, everyone is able to kind of do the best, the thing that they are best at. Um, he did it with like the kids in the neighborhood when he was first learning. You kind of see that with his friendship that he makes at school. Kent, Kent is someone who's mm-hmm. on the basketball team with him. Part of they're both on scholarship. Part of the scholarship is that they have to work on campus, and so they actually end up working in I think the laundry room at the yeah. gym mm-hmm. uh, together. And so they'll talk plays, and William gets it he's often described as having a very high basketball IQ and like he knows like intellectually how the game is supposed to be played. Um, And so he really tries to like invest in the players around him. And unfortunately he gets injured, I think in high school or in college. Yeah, he got, um, what was it? Because they also said just to go back to your point where, I think it was like someone said he wasn't the most athletic, but he was very like technical. And like Mm -hmm. you said, like knew what to do and everything like that. He got injured once in high school and like hurt his knee. But then I think he recovered after like a month or two. Mm -hmm. But then he went back to playing. But then in college, because he didn't properly like deal with it after and like, I think like Mm -hmm. exercise it and properly take care of it. He suffered into, like an- physical therapy. Yeah, he suffered another injury in college, and this one was more like serious, and he wasn't able to like play again, really. Yeah. Like he had to be on crutches and stuff like that, and like can really walk that well. So yeah, which I think like that is that happens like the, the second injury happens a little bit later because he like gets to school. And um, he meets Julia, Julia, who's in one of his, I think his history classes. I wrote it down, surprisingly, a European history seminar. Yeah. Um. Do you like Julia? I kind of do like Julia because Julia, um, there, there are aspects of Julia that remind her of me. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's things that she does and I'm like. Yeah, I would do that. She's a bit more, I will say she's a bit more controlling than I am. And yeah, not I wouldn't like, say I, you're controlling. No, but... I'm very much like, go live your life. But there are things where I'm, when I was younger, um, I would say that I was a lot like Julia. I can't stand Julia. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's oh. so annoying and like i sometimes have to catch myself because 
I'll kind of feel bad for William, but then I'm like, but William, you got to speak up. But so like Julia is very is the the eldest sister. Yes. And is very much an eldest child. Like she she's often described as the one who has the answers. And William is kind of floating through life and isn't really sure what to do. And Julia's like, oh, that's fine. I have the answers. I will tell tell you you what what to do. do. I'll tell you what to do. And and that's just kind of that's who like her family looks to her for that. Um, All of the sisters kind of come to her with their problems and are like, help me. (laughs) She's very practical. Like she's very like. I'm going to get this job or I'm going to get these grades and that will lead to me getting this job. And then I found William. I kind of like him. So I will make him my husband Mm -hmm. and then we will have a kid and we will move here. And uh, she treats life very much like levels, like almost in like a video game, not to bring it back to tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But it's very like that, which is as we learn more about Sylvie, Sylvie's like the polar opposite. She's like the second oldest and she's very like life has a third door. Not everything fits in a box and Mm -hmm. like I'm going with the flow and yeah, you're you're more than whatever job you have. Right. I would say that now I feel like I identify more with Sylvie in a lot of ways. Um, But I think when I was younger, I was a lot like Julia. Um, But and, and part of that is part of that also is because of her history so julia and sylvie their parents have been i remember how long they've been married for but it was a while and julia is very much like her mother who kind of had a plan and all of this and her father never quite lived up to the potential that his wife saw in him yes rose and charlie rose and charlie um so I think that that is also why she kind of gravitated towards uh, William, because I think she saw William as someone who was different from her father. Um, like yeah, in me, some ways, yes, but also it was kind of like I just saw her like repeat, like just doing essentially what her mother did and picking someone mm-hmm. based off how they felt someone could be and mm-hmm. like as opposed to taking them for who they are yes very much it's so. like yeah because william has william didn't change he was very like not lackadaisical but kind of just like going with the flow like he was mm-hmm. very reserved didn't have the biggest like he never really had many opinions but yeah. julia was like i he can change he can be um better and he can be more um she, go into himself more and be more mature she fell in love with the potential that she saw in him yeah but it's kind of like which i can get to some extent like feeling that about oh, someone women do it all the time <laughs> you're like let me tell you something let me tell you let me um, tell you. i don't get how she could also think that because she did watch one of his basketball games and i think mm-hmm. she said he became kind of a different person and he was more uh, animated and like yeah every like it's multiple times it's mentioned how intelligent he is on the court he is yeah. very like athletically intelligent like i don't i don't know if that's the phrase that's used but it's something along those lines where it it's was like, their iq was used yeah I basketball <laughs> iq is used a lot um but that does not necessarily translate into 
like academic intelligence like not that he was yeah. dumb he was smart right he like goes on he gets a history i think he's majoring in history but he is really like what he wants is to be in basketball and he's not a good enough player to play professionally um but he still really wants to, to he doesn't know what he wants to do because basketball has just been his passion for so long so he kind of just is doing things because julia is telling him to do them yeah so like becoming a professor is something that she told him to do and so right. he goes <laughs> he goes into the phd program and is like a ta and um so there's many things where it's like julia is trying to control her surroundings um but the thing is is that people are not chess pieces they have their own thoughts and opinions and emotions that drive them and she cannot like she can't control those things he proposes junior year yeah and then she's like this is great we're gonna graduate senior year and then we're gonna get married senior year and it's gonna be the best summer and i think he actually his injury happens i think not long before the wedding yeah it happened yeah he essentially is on crutches during the wedding mm-hmm. so and it's essentially this is a career ending injury he does not i don't think he plays after this injury yes and then another thing to know was when they got engaged he didn't tell his parents and he didn't want to. And Julia yeah. started to feel insecure and was just like, is it because my family's like not well off? Because mm-hmm. Julia's family, they kind of live like in not the best house and they all, it's kind of yeah. small and it's like the four sisters and the parents and they don't really come from money. So she was insecure because of that. But then yeah. he like told her like, no, it's just like, I don't really have a relationship with them. And I think there was a moment where they called the mom to let her know together and then the mom just was really like uninterested and like the call yeah. was like 10 minutes. And then she finally saw like, oh, I see what you've been talking about. Which I I, I don't know if she fully understands still, though, because like so William's family is well off, but very like distant. And so mm-hmm. he was kind of like, well, we don't really need to invite them to the wedding. And he, like I said, Julia took that very personal and thought that it was because he was ashamed of her yeah where he was just like i think he was more ashamed of his relationship with his parents uh because julia is very close you know for all of the faults that her family is very close a very tight-knit family Mm -hmm. and you know which is part of the reason why i think william falls in love with julia is because that is something that is missing from his life and that was kind of a whole that and they like take him in yeah very very much yeah very very welcoming like um as they're like getting ready for the wedding julia's mom like has a a a meeting about the wedding and in that meeting it's just like william after the after the wedding you are to call me mom or mama and i i heard that and i was like whoa you need to chill out that is so aggressive Uh, and but in the book william was like he was so grateful for that and he remembers like and he he says like he thanks her and she just kind of like brushes it aside you know not trying to make a big deal about it but since she had called this meeting under the pretense of it being like let's go over everyone's roles (laughs) when really it Mm -hmm. was just to tell william this which um um, she's full of shit um anyway (laughs) 
Well, there's more that happens, you know, it's, you know, there is, but it's also, hmm, we'll get to it. Um, but you know, we go to their wedding day and you know, there's tea, there's drama. Well, I feel like before we get to the wedding though, do we need to talk about Sylvie? Well, yes. Let me see. I was looking at my notes, kind of just what I took. And I feel like I think her first one was the wedding, but I think it introduced her a little bit, but um yes so sylvie we get to know sylvie number two sister number two i like sylvie a lot very Mm -hmm. free-spirited works at the library her favorite hobbies making out with boys for 90 seconds for 90 seconds because her thing she's very much like i'm preparing for my one true love and like i'm getting some experience like i'm waiting cuz love is going to be this big thing and it's going to be like amazing she she's not like julia where julia's like l- very tactical about yeah. love and relationships she's very like free spirited and free thinker like oh my gosh my love it's going to be like the best thing in the world it's going to be cinematic it's i just have be- to find him when i find him you know yes i keep looking for him and i haven't found him Mm-hmm. And so we get to know a little bit about her and we kind of learn how like she's a lot more like her dad because mm-hmm. the very dad is very dad. like relaxed and like he loves poetry and like yeah. he's very much like um more free spirited and isn't defined by money and things like that. And like yeah. it causes resentment with um the mother Rose because she mm-hmm. can sense that um Sylvie has more is more like her dad and she has resentment towards the dad because mm-hmm. their life isn't where she thought it would be right some of it is warranted though because like the the so the dad is the dad is an alcoholic and yes. well and so he often takes pay cuts but they can't really afford that and so the mom hat is kind of left to make up the difference I yes. say she's like a seamstress. I think is what it is. I believe, or she so. does like lawn. Uh, she does laundry or something. Um, so she has mm-hmm. to like she has to work a lot. I know she has this amazing garden where they also sell the produce and that kind of thing. And I, to me, I looked at this and Rose is a woman who's whose husband has failed her. Yes, in a lot of ways. And l- being a woman in that time where you are defined by your husband and your chances for um for an improved life and your chances of being well off just your chances of of living any kind of comfortable life is really dependent upon what your husband does mm-hmm. and she married someone who she thought had a lot of potential and he did not blah, live blah, up to blah, that. Blah. Yeah. Yeah, no. And she I was left to pick up the pieces. Yeah. yeah. And I think I she sees that. that in Sylvie and is afraid that Sylvie, honestly, I think most of the stuff that mom does is out of fear. I think that she is afraid that Sylvie is going to end up like her or like her dad. Um, yeah. Which... So. It's a bit projection, but like I kind of mm. get it. Hundred percent. Oh, I yeah. understand. Yeah, because even because the dad, the dad seemed cool, but he was yeah. like an alcoholic, and yeah. like there was even times where like Sylvie had to like drop out of, um, right, 
school so she can work more and like pay for the house and stuff like that yep yep exactly so it's the 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 dad has talked about very favorably about like how much he loved his wife and his daughters in fact the name of the book hello beautiful is taken from how charlie would greet the women in his family Mm -hmm. um where anytime they came into a room you know he would call out hello beautiful and they I think the line there is something like the greeting was so wonderful that it made you want to leave to come back in to experience it again. Yeah. And so the they all really saw themselves through their dad's eyes. And it seems like it was a very positive thing. So I'm not saying that he was not a good dad. I think he was I think he was an exceptionally good father and that he really loved them, but he failed in providing for them in yeah. a time where it really was his responsibility and he was going to be the way they were going to be able to kind of like be okay. And so when he failed in that, it kind of left it to the rest of them to pick up the pieces and figure out what to do in whatever way they could, which was usually very grueling. Mm-hmm. So it was, and yeah. you know, we get to the wedding the wedding, the wedding Julia, of all weddings. Julia, Julia and Williams. The wedding that Rose never had. The wedding that Rose never had. Oh, yeah, because Rose had Julia before her and the dad She's got pregnant, married. Yeah, she, yeah was pregnant. she was pregnant with Julia, yep. And that was another, maybe, not, I don't want to say resentment, but something she was very, like, on edge about. Yeah, because I think the mom was, like, Catholic. I think Rose is Catholic. Because she has the um, she's something. She the has like saints. the saints. So, yeah. So in their in their dining room, I think they have uh female saints that are like lining the wall. That like when the daughters would like irritate the moms or just like be rambunctious and you know just being kids, that as like a prayer she would go through and like name them, name the, all the different saints. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they uh they get to the wedding. And they've put a lot of time and effort into this, a lot of bargaining to make things work. Um, it's a machine. There's different it, parts to it. They're and... they're doing it. And it seems like William is not super excited about the wedding. You know, he seems nervous. I will say it, his injury had just happened. So his knee's mm-hmm. hurting. I think they even had like a chair for him to sit on yeah. in the ceremony. But before the wedding... Sylvie and Cecilia are talking. Well, she runs into Cecilia outside of the store. Mm -hmm. Cecilia being, is that the fourth sister? She's the twin with Emmeline. She's twin. So is it Emily or Emmeline? Emmeline. Emmeline. Like, okay. Like Kathleen. But Emmeline. Sure. Emmeline. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Well, the way the the narrator said it, I was never quite sure if it was lean or Lee. Oh, yeah. And so that's why I want to clarify. Because, again, I don't have the book. So Emmeline and Cecilia are twins. Yes. And Emmeline's the nurturing one. Cecilia's the artist. But Cecilia reveals at 17, she's pregnant. And... History on Julia's wedding himself. day of all oh, days. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't tell she doesn't tell Julia. She just tells No, they Sylvie. do not tell no. Julia. Yeah. She, they were like, we're not telling Julia. They wait to tell Julia. But Sylvie, I remember, was like kind of freaking out. She's like, How can you be pregnant? She realized she kind of like 
that her and Julia maybe neglected teaching her sister, like, what not to do or what you should be careful of. Everyone kind of feels like they failed. So Sylvie feels like she failed. Her and Julia failed to teach their younger sisters, like, what they kind of should and shouldn't do. It was kind of this unspoken rule. And um, the mom feels like she failed. And so everyone kind of, the sisters, I will say the sisters kind of get past it quicker and kind of band together. Yeah. The mom does not. No. They wait five months, like, after to tell Julia finally. Like, Julia and William are in um, some paid housing due to the PhD program he's in. And so they tell her... And I think the mom had given Cecilia like a saint to have with her at all yeah, times. Was, she called it her red letter. Yes. And then um she kind of revealed scarlet that, letter. Sorry, it's a scarlet, scarlet letter. letter. Yeah. You know, a shade of red. Um, they kind of reveal that um the mom is just like not speaking to her and she has to live like at the neighbor's house. Yeah, so- she moves in to a house that is like two or three houses down from her parents' house because her mother tells her that she can't stay there. And so she moves in and so does the twin. Cecilia moves out and Rose will not have any contact with her. Um, The sisters kind of band together after their initial shock. Julia is like immediately goes into like, how do I make this better? And she well, decides. Her first thing she says is, "I was supposed I'm gonna to have get the first pregnant. kid." Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, she was like, "I was supposed to be first. Yeah, and I'm like, "Girl, I did." I rolled my eyes at that. I was like, "Really? That's and what you're gonna say? That's the first thing you're gonna say?" And yeah. then she pivots to, "I know how to fix this." I'm going to have a baby because yeah. this will bring the family back together and there'll be two babies and the mom will be forced to accept both. Yeah. Um, Essentially, she was like, because I'm a married woman, my pregnancy will be celebrated and I'll put my bump next to Cecilia's bump and and then everything will be all right. Yes. And Does not ask William if no. he's ready for a baby. She's just like, William, let's have a baby. And he's let's like, let's do it. Should we? And then she's like, yes. And then they work towards having a baby. But he's well, like, not into it. He literally says at one point, he's like, she made this decision. And then every time he came home, she would be waiting for him naked. And he yeah. he's like, I can't, what do you say? I can't have a discussion. Or he's like, I'm not able to have a discussion when Julia's naked or something yeah, like that. Like, I can't Which I was focus. like, it's like valid, right? Like this dude's like, in his early 20s and seemingly has only ever been with Julia. So it's not, again, this is a very different world where mm-hmm. that I could see that being, I could see that tactic working. Yeah. And it's like, you know, maybe yeah. William, you know, now's the time to speak up if anything. Right. <laughs> like doesn't. open your mouth. Yeah. Yes. He doesn't. He doesn't. He does not do that. So. Yeah. She does indeed but, get pregnant. And by the time Cecilia gives birth, I think she's like four months along. Yeah, something like that. And she like, Cecilia has Julia like with her when she's giving birth because she reminds yeah. her of her mom and she really misses her mom. That was, that was so really sad. really sad. Yeah, they go to the hospital and the nurse comes out and is like, she wants Julia. 
And when Julie gets to the room, Cecilia is like, I want mom. I want my mom. I wish she were here. And I was like, oh, you poor baby. I know, because she is just a baby. I think she had just turned 18 when she was pregnant. Oh, my gosh. I like my heart broke in that scene. Um, I was I was really happy, though, after the baby was born, Charlie comes to the hospital. He does. He does. And that. he holds the baby. It's so beautiful. He like says like an incantation. He's like, this it's, is amazing. It's a, it's a blessing. <laughs> an incantation. They called it an incantation. Oh, did they call it an incantation? Oh, I don't remember. I think oh, they yeah. did. I thought it was a blessing. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I think they said blessing too. Okay, they said yeah, some yeah. I feel like they said incantation. If I'm making it up, I'm lying. Oh, well, well. <laughs> it's funny. So it's great. So yeah, he like, and he kind of reconciles with Cecilia. Um, mm-hmm. And then he goes to leave and, and then he collapses in the hallway and he dies so yeah. that was sad oh um. yeah so it it's a super it's a, such a sad moment and cecilia having just had to give birth now has to call her family and tell them that the dad is dead his heart gave out yeah. and the mom um, you know, they were kind of hoping that after Cecilia had had her baby, which she has a daughter, uh, Izzy, I think is the baby's name. Yes, yeah, so Isabella, and they call her Izzy, something yeah. like that. Um when when Cecilia calls and tells the mom and calls the house, uh, the mom's reaction is he was with her. And Sylvie is like, You mean Cecilia? And the mom goes, No, her. He went to go see her. She was the last one to speak to him. And it like solidifies this wall between Rose and Cecilia that I thought was mm-hmm. it was a very weird reaction. And again, I think it's just like grief that is it's just how she's like processing grief or not processing it. Yeah, it was a very <laughs> odd. You would think, which again, grief, you know, manifests in different ways. But you yeah. would think after your daughter that gave birth and your husband just died, you you would think it would be something that would maybe bring the family closer together. Yeah. Like maybe like we need to be here for each other yeah. more than anything. Yeah. But it's quite the opposite. Um, They get more separate. Cecilia wasn't even allowed at like the wake or didn't show up to the wake. I don't want to say not allowed, but it probably wouldn't have been good if she went. Yeah, they keep looking for her because she had she had been discharged from the hospital, um, so she could have come, but she doesn't. I think what is really beautiful about the the wake and the funeral is that people come forward with a lot of stories about Charlie, mm-hmm. and we kind of see that like he he genuinely was a good man. Like people talking about how nice he was to them he would buy formula for young mothers you know he supported his co-workers there's just so many like kind of stories after stories he helped his like drinking buddies get i don't know if it was like a a, a better deal on a loan or something like just story after story of how he really stepped up for other people mm-hmm. which i thought was great but also kind of contrasted with like he there were things that he would do for others that he wasn't able to do for his own family. Yeah. Like he wasn't like he was able to really like, 
emotionally be there for his family. Mm-hmm. Like he was kind of the glue keeping the family together in a sense. Yeah. But as far as like doing tangible, like, you know, like providing like certain things, he yeah. was not. Yeah, he so. like he he was able to show up for other people in their time of need, mm-hmm. but often would fail his family and theirs. Yeah, because his family, I think, was kind of view like viewed him as more like maybe incompetent and like a drunk and like all this. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting seeing all these people come forward and be like, "He was the best person ever. He did this, yeah. that, and this." Yeah, and it was so fascinating. Um, but I I did thought I thought that was like really beautiful, and I and I hope that that like was comforting to his family. Um, I think maybe it was to his daughters. I don't think it was to Rose. Was not to Rose. <laughs> Roses. Ooh, Rose is a mess. Yeah. yeah. She... After the go, oh, sorry, good. No, you're good. Um, so she's she's interesting. Um, after the yes. the funeral, though, Sylvie really tries to be there for her. But again, there's always been this guard up between her and her mom because her mom sees her dad and her. Yeah. So she really tries to be there. And be, especially because every other daughter has moved out. Like Alice moved in with William. Uh, and Julia. Emily, Julia, yes. Who's Alice? We don't know who Alice is yet. I think, oh, we don't know who Alice is. No. <laughs> and also, I think, wasn't that Rock, Paper, Scissors, the book we just read? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that. But um, she kicked Cecilia out. And then the twin, because they're very close and are there for each other. Emmeline moved in with at the neighbors with Cecilia to help mm-hmm. take care of the baby. So the only one left is Sylvie, and Sylvie wanted to step up and be there for her. And Rose was basically like, No, you can go. Like, I want to be yeah. alone. Go stay with one of your sisters. Yeah. And it's just like that, just like that's when it first really starts to hit Sylvie, I think, that the only person who ever truly saw her was her dad. Yeah. And like I think she reflects on this moment, like where her mom sent her to the store with her dad. And then they had this talk waiting for food where he was just like, you know, you're a lot like me. Like we don't like worry about like certain things. Like you would skip class to read because you know Mm -hmm. what's like truly important. And then life isn't defined by like, if you went to class or if you have this job, like it's about who you are inside and all this. So Mm -hmm. like it was a real bonding moment. It was, yeah, and it was really beautiful. I think you're right in that, like, her dad saw her, like, no, like, the rest of her family did not, because um, even Julia often is like, why can't you just do things the normal way? Like, oh, just, my God, yes. Like, when, did, when she would talk about the one making boy. out with the guy, yeah. she's like, you don't know what people will see, will say about you. You don't know how you're perceived, and she's like, I don't care. She's like, oh, yeah, I don't give, I don't care. Um, And, yeah, I think that's part of the... Like finding, like I think you said it earlier. Like she often talks about how she looks for a third door. Like she, you know, there's the way that society thinks that you should do things, and she doesn't want to do that. Yeah. So she looks for the third door and things. Um, and yeah. So and it it frustrates her family, like or at least Julia and Rose mm-hmm. and Julia being like, just do things normally, date one boy at a time. She's like, I don't want to date any of them. You're like, no, they're not worth that. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, she ends up moving in and staying at the couch um at Julia's and Williams. 
And there's, like, some nice moments where it's, like, Julia will, like, go on the couch with her at night and they'll, like, comfort each other. Yeah, because they just lost their dad. And so, I mean, they are hurting. And Julia is pregnant. And so that's a lot of emotion. And then Rose decides that she's going to sell their family home and move to Florida in the middle of Julia's pregnancy. Yeah, I'm, like, the timing, babe. Like, you can't wait. And then it's also, like... I know grief, but it's like you made this big thing about how you were going to be William's mom and be there for them. And now when everyone actually needs you more than anything, you're leaving. And even before Charlie died, you didn't want anything to do with Cecilia because you were projecting you getting pregnant before you were married at a young age. And you were worried she ruined her life. But the thing about parents and their projecting is they're so worried about people like their kids and like they're ruining their lives. And when the only one that's actually doing that to them is their parent, because their parent should be the one that's there for them. Did, did you and your parents have a really intense conversation recently, Brandon? No, we didn't. We actually had a good time. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're going in. And while I do not disagree with you. No, no, because I was feeling this when I was like reading it. I'm like, girl, like you're saying she's ruined her yeah. life. But it's like, you know how you can maybe help her not ruin her life being her mom and not well, and the- taking and Rose's mom did the same thing to her. That's why Repeating her history, Char- which is why her and Charlie got married, is because like she doesn't even. I don't even think she speaks to her mom anymore. And like that seems like it really hurt Rose. And so yeah. you would think that she would want to not do that, but she does exactly yeah. the same thing. And she literally says like I had to. I had to. I had to put my foot down or something like that when she kicked Cecilia out. And yeah. I was just like, dude. Like, it no. did make me laugh though at the funeral when certain family members would show up, and she's like that one because it seems like they don't talk to a lot of family. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, yeah, it's just like, uh, that's think, kind of funny. I think Julia says at one point, like when she thinks of family, she only thinks of the six of them. Yeah, like the sisters um, and the parents, never any yeah. like cousins, aunts, or anything like that. Yeah. So I and. I, I like that there's part of me that I'm like, I really like that Julia and Cecil and Sylvie have each other during this time and kind mm-hmm. of are able to support because I think like Julia needs that. She's kind of like reeling from her dad dying. And then William does a very nice thing. He, to be fair, he should have talked to her before doing this. Yeah. But it was a good thought. He asked to be excused from teaching. He had a TA position, which is how they were bringing money in. Mm-hmm. Um, and after Charlie died, he asked to be excused for the rest of the semester so that he could support Julia. Yes. Which is very nice. Very nice. But... Should have talked to her first. With but he's Julia having husband. everything planned out and just depending on this money and they're about yeah. to have a kid, she's like, why would you do that? Like, no. Yeah. yeah. And like in William's mind, he's like, they had enough money to support in savings. And so he didn't think it was going to be a big deal. Uh, he also finds out that his, or he doesn't find out, but his his father sends him a letter shortly before the wedding I think it was when he was in the hospital after his surgery. Yeah. So it would have been, mm. yeah. So right before the wedding is when it, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, Kind of congratulating him on getting married and sends him a check 
for $10,000, which William sees as them kind of like cutting ties with him. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't ever cash it. But he he says he's like, if things got desperate, it's there. You know, he kind of keeps it in a drawer. He never told Julia about it. Um, yeah. So he asked to be excused from his TA position. Um, and I and I like how William shows up for the sisters during this time. Because, you know, like after Rose tells them all that she's selling the house and moving to Florida, they all go to Julie's, Julia's, and he like makes them pasta. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then he's like, hey, here you guys eat. I'm going to go for a walk. And he kind of gives them the space that they need to, yeah. you know, kind of be together. So I, I I like William in a lot of ways because I think he is very like um seems like he's pretty like emotionally in tuned to people. Mm-hmm. He does not do a good job of communicating his own emotions and thoughts, but I like how he shows up for the sisters. Yes, he's very much there for them and he feels like a part of them, but he's also very he can be very emotionally distant because he's kind of emotionally distant from himself. Yeah. Because. Like, yeah. Which is interesting, right? Yeah. Because he's very much, he doesn't want, he, we learn he really doesn't want this baby. And so, <laughs> and uh, Julia knows it. She's like, yeah. I feel like I just have my sister and you're just someone I live with. And he's not yeah. really communicating how he never really wanted a baby. Yeah. And another thing is like, he's been writing like this book on the history of basketball. Yeah. And Julia's hoping like, oh, this will help him get a job and like lead to something. Yeah. She thought it was, this book was far more than it actually is. Cause he started yeah. telling her about it when they were dating or courting mm-hmm. or whatever it is they were doing. And she would kind of bring it up as like this thing of like, oh, he's writing this book. Like this is going to help him get a job after college. This is going to help him in his like doctorate program. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's really just kind of his like, it's almost like a basketball diary. Yeah. I was going to say like a journal, like it's kind of, it has history, but it's all over the place. And then it has like random footnotes, which we learn about them because Julia goes to Sylvie and is like, I don't get this. Can you like read this? Like, I don't yeah, know what it she's, is. She's the reader. She works at the library. She's doing mm-hmm. librarian studies. Yeah, she's the reader. So she's like, help me out. Is there any potential here? Is there anything good? Um, And so she does. And then Sylvie is confused, but she's fascinated by the footnotes because mm-hmm. it's kind of like the notes to himself just being like, what am I doing? Like, what's going mm-hmm. on? And like, This is horrible. Why do I even bother? Yes. Who am I? And one notable one was it said, it should have been me, not her. Yeah. And Sylvie what, doesn't know who her is. Yes, because he never told any of them about the sister. Mm-hmm. So we know it's about the sister, but she's like, is this about Julie? Uh, like, yeah. Is this about? And so she's kind of feeling more connected with William because she's realizing maybe they're more alike than they thought because she didn't really know him but it's just like as far as like not really knowing who you are and not having everything planned out yeah and it should be noted that william didn't actually want julia to read the book because julia like strong-armed him into it just like i should read it right (laughs) yeah let me read it yeah like just kept kind of nagging him about it because it's his own like inner thoughts and a lot of times and 
those inner thoughts do not coincide with who Julia wants him to be. Like there's a lot oh. of self-doubt there. And he often says, like, if Julia knew that, like, she's not going to feel the same way. And he does kind of feel like she sees him differently after she reads it and after Sylvie reads it. She, I don't know that he knows that Sylvie read it. Um, I think he highly suspects because he's, I think at one point he was like, of course, Julia would ask Sylvie to read it. Because I think he saw it yeah. was in like a bag on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. Or something so, like that. Which kind of an invasion of privacy like i think i would be really upset about that i'd probably feel a type of way he definitely feels uncomfortable around her now because he knows she knows Uh and and he has a lot of self-doubt yeah yeah and And that does not work for julia no and then like so it has so do you think i don't know it's reading the synopsis it says something about a catastrophic event is that charlie's death or are sylvie and william gonna have an affair i kind of i so it kind of sets you up a little bit so they have a connect they have kind of a a moment of connection where Mm. sylvie i don't remember if she got she essentially locked out of the apartment julia lost her keys yeah she left her keys at the library yeah. She left her keys at the library. And so it's like 10 o'clock at night and William comes upon her on a on a bench kind of outside their complex. And um, she had not wanted to knock because she didn't want to wake Julia up, you know, being pregnant and all of that stuff. And so they kind of have this moment of, of connection where they realize that they're a lot alike and that they have this um, – they both have this kind of like questioning inside of them that mm-hmm. Julia doesn't have and doesn't understand. And I want to say there's an, a mention of Ju- of Sylvie seeing William as more than just her sister's boyfriend, now husband. Yeah. Um, and so, it and does kind of were... set it up. Yeah, because he was talking about feeling something he never felt before Yeah, as well, which like... He, he think, almost cries. Yeah. Because she again, starts crying about her dad. Yeah. And then and he stuff. kind of opens up about his family as well and like kind of starts to cry. But then like. Mm-hmm. Stops himself. Yeah, stops himself. Yeah. And then I think too. So because he's. It ends pretty much like this part we read with like him reflecting and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, What is it that the guy does that he wants to like shadow him? Uh, he's a he's a physio, physio yes. physical therapist. Yeah. Yes, he was the For one. The basketball who, like, team. Yes, he was the one who had let him know, like, oh, your knee injury, like, is a lot worse because you didn't properly tend to it mm-hmm. afterward. So he wants yeah. to kind of shadow this guy and like potentially maybe get into that. Yeah. Do you remember what that guy's name is? I don't. It's, it's I don't either. Name. Yeah. But so yeah, the, the physical therapist for the basketball team. Um, kind of like William keeps showing up to the gym on his like lunch breaks and will kind of play occasionally and he kind of befriends the physical therapist and the physical therapist is like dude look around there's so many jobs that kind of evolve around basketball that you could do like you're you're not going to be a player but you could still do something with basketball and starts yeah. talking to him about like how do you identify um like prior injuries to help them not have weakness the players not have weakness in certain areas 
And so he kind of, but the the physical therapist is like, I can't outright ask them because they're going to lie to me because they don't want to be seen as weak because then yeah. that may mean that they don't get to play. Mm-hmm. Um. So then he, he like kind of starts to watch the players and help the physical therapist like identify things that could indicate a, a prior injury. Yeah. So that would be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, um. I keep wanting to say Alice. Julia's reaction if he ever comes clean about wanting to make that career change. Um, which I'm sure he know. will. Do you think that he yeah, I think I think he will eventually do that. I don't think that he has realized that that's what he wants to do though. Yeah, no, it's probably just another like idea potentially. I don't know why he w- won't just be like a basketball coach. Because he knows how to do plays. It's like he doesn't have to like move around that much. Like I feel like that would be ideal. But point. maybe he'll get there. Maybe it's really um, hard to get into. Yeah, but Julie and William yeah. are definitely heading to Divorce Town, and you heard it here first. Yeah. I so I kind of think. I know I mentioned Kent briefly. Um, there's a note at one point that I think it's from Julia's perspective that she doesn't know how to interact with Kent and mm-hmm. she feels like often they say things at the same time and there's just no like good rhythm between them. Mm-hmm. So my early prediction is that um, Julia is actually going to end up with Kent because Kent leaves to go to medical school yeah. in like Milwaukee or something after mm-hmm. like um after he graduates. And so I would not be surprised if Julia and Kent end up together at the end of this book and Sylvie and William end up together at the end of this book. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't thought about her and Kent, but that does make sense because he definitely seemed more self-assured mm-hmm. than William. And and seems like the, honestly, kind of seems like the kind of man that Julia wants, right? Like, he's a doctor. He's very determined. He knows what he wants. He knows he's, like, goes after it. He, like, yeah. legitimately says, he's like, I'm going to be a doctor. I don't know how I'm going to pay tuition, but it's going to happen. Yeah. And, like, that's what, that's what Julia wants. It would be her ideal man. But, you know, she picked William because she thought she could mold him like clay. But maybe... What I mean, whose hands he really needs are silver. Oh, don't say <laughs> that. That sounds so gross. Ugh. Um. Anyways, Ugh. with that being said, um. So that was the first part of Hello Beautiful. I think for our next one, we're going to be covering pages a hundred and a hundred and t a hundred and three to two hundred and six. If you want to follow along, yes. but um, I'm liking the book so far. It had kind of a slow start. I wasn't sure. But then I got into it. I think once yeah. Cecilia got pregnant, I was like, ooh, interesting. Um, But yeah, with that being said, thank you all so much for listening. Make mm-hmm. sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the Literary Latte Podcast. If you want to email us with any book recommendations or any thoughts, we're at the Literary Latte Podcast at gmail.com. You can rate and review us on apple Podcasts, you know give us five stars we're also available on spotify and anywhere else you listen to podcasts and yeah we'll talk to you next week bye, bye.